Hello, everyone. Welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer films, books, TV shows, and more. I'm Chris Bryant, a contemporary romance writer for Bold Strokes Books, and today I will be recommending a 2015 film. And I'm Tara Scott, and I review queer women's fiction at The Lesbian Review and Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and this week I'm reviewing a classic queer documentary. If you would like to support our show, we have a link to Kofi in the show notes, or as we kind of always ask, tell a friend who doesn't need more queer movies, books, TV shows in their lives. If you know someone who needs them, let them know. We'd love to connect with them. Yes. So, Chris, Pride Month is here. Rainbows are everywhere. I love it. My heart is so happy in June. Who knew? Who knew? I know, right? The other thing is for us here in Calgary is that our Pride isn't until September. So, it's kind of weird. So, there's like the, everything's in the stores now. And it's like, but. Except us. Do we? (laughs) Yeah, like we just have to buy our shit now. Right, yes. <laughs> Where to the parade later? <laughs> yes. Speaking of that, something that I feel like comes up kind of every year is the corporatization of pride. And I actually kind of experienced it a little bit directly last year because I was asked to represent my company at Calgary Pride on a virtual panel that they were having. Nice. And as the panel was happening, the moderator was putting in the chat, like, don't look at the comments, because some people were talking basically just about how we were these, like, sellouts and whatever. <gasps> yeah, it was a little strange. And I had two thoughts immediately at the same time. The first of which is like, well, I mean, people are entitled to feel whatever they want to feel. Sure. But on the other hand, I felt pretty good that my company asked me to right. do that, that they, tr- that they trusted me to be an ambassador. And, it- and inclusion is truly, like, a huge value at the company where I work. Because I worked at a company that values inclusion and authenticity and really encourages people to be themselves, that's why I was able to go on the journey of exploring my gender expression and realizing that, oh, maybe I don't want to have long hair. Maybe I feel better with a more mask kind of a style. Like that just feels more me. So what do you think about, you know, pride is everywhere. Target right. has quite the collection <laughs> this year. I actually got an American coworker. I was like, I need you to buy me the, dra- the Bob the Drag Queen shirt. And I need <laughs> you to buy me the Rose Apothecary in the rainbow color shirt. Please and thank you. We don't have Target here. <laughs> that, first of all, like um, the fact that you don't have Target there is like crazy because it's everywhere. We did. Oh, you did. We, we did. So here's the thing. American chain stores love to come to Canada. So they can charge more money. Right. Because they just, they can't. But the problem is too many Canadians go to Target when they visit the States. And so they come here and they're like, why would I pay nine times more? I I made that number up. But like, why would I pay way more for this here? Mm -hmm. The whole point of Target is that it's so much cheaper than anywhere else here. And it didn't, it really didn't last. Like if I think they folded up Canadian operations. Oh, wow. Pretty quickly. Yeah. Gosh, they're they're flourishing here, especially in Missouri. We have mm-hmm. one like on every corner. Like I know mm-hmm. of like three targets. So on my lunch hour at work, I can actually hit three targets if I wanted to. Not at the same, you know, like they're within driving distance of my work. Three different ones. My coworker said something similar. Yeah. She's in Cincinnati. And so we're all going this week to um, our company's conference. And so I was like, Cam, <laughs> can you please get these shirts and bring them to the conference? Please. And she's like, yeah. 
I bet you at your conference, there's probably a Target, like, right down the street. You could probably Uber out to Target. They're probably... Oh, for sure. Like, for sure. And there will be... I'm sure there will be a Target trip happening, but I didn't want to risk their not, like, not right. getting that Bob the Drag sure. Queen shirt because it's, uh, like, I think it's a limited edition just for Pride, just with Target. And it's so fucking cool. It's this, like, mustard yellow and that iconic picture of him with the pink paint dripping mm-hmm. down his face. Like, it just looks so good. Well, you also have another contact in the United States who can get you these products as well. I'm just throwing that out yeah. there. I'm going to ask you next time. If I wasn't going to be seeing my friend, like, right. <laughs> so soon where she could literally hand them to me. That's true. Yeah, you were next on my list. Like, ah, I'm hurt. I'm a little hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. You're like Vivian in Truth and Measure when she's like, why didn't you ask me for help? Exactly. I wouldn't want to help I, you. I know. I'm such a helper. I, I like to step in. Why do I do that? I like to step in. I, I like, is it a control thing or is it a people pleaser thing? I don't know what that is. I don't know that I'm a people pleaser, but I like to help. What does your therapist think? I don't have a therapist. Have you asked? <gasps> no, I probably need one. <laughs> Listen, therapy's good for everybody. It is. It is. I love my therapist. He's the best. Uh, I wouldn't even know where to begin. My therapist would just shake their head and just like, I don't know. I wouldn't know where to begin. Yeah. Quiet. Thank you. Um. <laughs> well, I just, I feel like you probably wouldn't really phase a therapist. True. They've probably heard, heard it all. <laughs> they've heard it all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because I'm watching, I think I've mentioned this before. When I work out, uh, if I'm on the treadmill, I'll watch. I'm watching The Sopranos over again. And one of the things is Tony Soprano's going to a therapist. And so it's Mm -hmm. kind of interesting to watch him, you know, lose control, gain it, lose control, gain it. And it's just such a struggle for him. And I'm like, yeah, that would be me for sure. That would be me. I'm not going to tell you what you want to know. So Yelling in therapy. (laughs) Although I never yell. So it's interesting. Okay, so what Mm -hmm. do I think about it? You know, a lot of people are against some of the larger corporations for, like, trying to monetize the whole entire movement, Pride Month. You know, that's just kind of corporate America. That's the way it works. Unfortunately, that's how mm-hmm. where we're at. And I'm okay, because let me tell you something. I know that everybody on Earth hates Abercrombie. I understand. I get it. There's so mm-hmm. much going on with that. But they really have the best material, and they have really cool Pride stuff. And I feel bad when I buy, like, a t-shirt. But here's what I've learned. This is, mm-hmm. Etsy. Etsy. I've learned on Etsy. They have a lot of great oh, yeah. pride things on Etsy. So for the last couple of years, I've been buying my pride merchandise from small online Etsy businesses that aren't in, nice. that are here, that are, you know, here in, in the United States just to kind of support. And I tried to find something that's close by me, you know, whether it's Ohio, Illinois, me, Missouri, you know, mm-hmm. try to try to get things from around here. But, you know, I know I have in the past, I've purchased things from Target. I know that I have. And I think Old Navy and Gap are starting to really push the Pride merchandise as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's pretty big. It's starting to become big. And I think that's good because that means there's recognition. We're getting more recogni- recognized out there and accepted, maybe. That's kind of that's that's kind of what I feel, too. And I just think, you know, I was in grade school in the 80s and high school in the 90s. And there was no Pride merch right. to be found anywhere. If you were going to find it at all, it was probably going to be from another, like, queer indie maker. And I wouldn't know how to find those or if they existed or, again, growing up deeply religious. And I just have to think, how great is it that 
you know, a kid can go into almost any store this month. Right. And, and a queer kid can go into almost any store and they can buy something that's affirming for them and that they can do it at an affordable price. And like, I am all for like, yes, absolutely support your indie queer creators. A hundred percent. But I just think about all the kids that get that. And I, I wish I could have been one of those kids. And I'm so happy. Yeah, they can go to Old Navy and pick up a $10 t-shirt. Exactly. It says queer pride or, you know, just pride and a rainbow, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, even And I mean, even if they're in a family where maybe it's not safe to wear around them, well, right. it's still inexpensive enough that they don't have to ask for money, hopefully. You know, they can just go and get it and stash it wherever they stash it and wear it wherever they feel comfortable. Agreed. Mm-hmm. When is Kansas City Pride? I think it's June, I'm stalling, maybe 10th through the 12th. So it's actually this and month. It's soon. Yeah, it's it's in June. Yeah, it's coming up. And if it's not already, I don't know. I really need to check. And I always want to do a booth. They changed the location, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. So it used to be like down by the river market. You know, it was just not a, a great, safe place. Mm -hmm. uh, and you couldn't really get there. It was like so far. I mean, you couldn't really get there. You could get there, but it's like off by itself there's nothing there but the but the actual event mm -hmm. meaning there's no other stores there's nothing there's no people around so all the people there are there to be there if that even makes sense it's not like boston downtown boston where they throw up you know um what do you call it just tents mm. like in the middle of the the city mm -hmm. no this is like off to the side like oh you gay people only get to the side type thing mm -hmm. and it's been that way for several years so this year they are doing it if i'm not mistaken they're doing it at the Atkins Nelson's Museum. We have this huge lawn, mm -hmm. huge lawn in front of our, our massive museum that we have in Kansas City. And it's like right downtown. It's near the plaza. I say downtown. It's near the plaza, which is south of downtown. But it's very, it's a very, it used to be like a really upscale place to shop and restaurants galore. And people used to always hang out there mm -hmm. before the river market, before Crossroads. It's nice. And it's the museum and it's pretty and I really enjoy it. I love going down there. So I'm so excited that two birds, one stone, I get to go to the museum and I get to go to Pride. Is that the museum that perhaps... A, a <laughs> That's certain... the very one. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, where Britt Ryder has written her books yeah. uh, for uh, Shameless and Not Guilty. Is that the Nelson Atkins Museum? Museum banging. <laughs> exactly, museum banging. So the reason why I won't do a booth I want to do a booth. Mm -hmm. I really want to do a booth because I I feel like if you're going to sell books, like pride is excellent to sell books. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went to books, books, books. When I went to my Irpa Palooza, I sold a ton of books. Uh, anything that's like small and queer and like one or two days is great. But our pride is for three days and you have to stay in your booth. You have to have it open for three days. What? I can't do anything for three days. No. Literally, I cannot stand to stand for three days no. or sit for three days. I, I can't do it. It's I just, I can't do it. And that's why, like, in the past, before COVID, I was always jumping to everybody else's pride. Hey, pride in Boston? Yeah, I'll be there, you know, because I'm central USA, mm -hmm. so I can get to anywhere within one flight. So that's what I was doing. I was just pride hopping, selling my books at different prides. Mm -hmm. And now I just, I just, I, I want to do it for Kansas City. I want to represent my own town. But I can't do it for three days. No. That's a lot. No. 
it has, and nobody wants to carry a book around for, you know, they don't want to get to the, to the festival and carry a book around for three days. They want, I mean, they don't stay overnight or anything, mm-hmm. but it's just hard. If you know it's one day, you want to go there and get everything you can. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have a bag and you're going to put books in there. You're going to put t-shirts, pins, anything you find, bandanas, anything cool that's queer, and, you know, right up your alley. But if somebody's there for three days, this happens all the time. They'll go to a booth. Oh, I'll come see you later. I'll come back. I'll come back. Mm-hmm. I'll come back. And I don't want to hear that. I just want you to buy my book now. Yes. And then we leave at the end of the day. And we're happy and we're queer and we celebrate us. Yes. But not for three days. Well, I mean, and how many people think they'll come back? Zero. Yeah. like Unless I make eye contact. If I make eye contact, I'm giving you that stern mommy look. Like, come over and buy my book like you said you would. Some people like that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That is true. Uh, that is true. But yeah. So that's why I won't do Pride. If they even, even if they narrowed it down to Saturday and Sunday, I'd be like, mm, maybe I can do that. Maybe I can do that and get somebody else. Like, yeah. Hook KB Draper in and say, hey, let's do this. But you know what? Three days, can't do it. Well, that could work though. If you tag team, so it was, if it was a table with a few authors, that could maybe, because mm-hmm. then you could like take turns and stuff. But that's, I don't know. Right. Three days is a lot. That's valuable writing time right there. Yeah. Three days is valuable writing time. So. There you go. So we got yes. we got a listener question. <gasps> I love listener questions. Do you want to read it? Okay. Yeah. So I totally forgot we had a listener question. So KB asks, name the first lesbic author you ever met. Tara? Okay. Start. So I feel like I have a couple of different answers for this because I started meeting authors virtually before I met them, before I met any in person. To be fair, I still haven't met very many in person because I don't go to, I haven't been to GCLS. I haven't been to Women's Week. I will go (sighs) to GCLS next year when it is in Denver. I will go next year. So I, when I did my old podcast, Let's Do Books, it actually started out kind of similar to this one in the sense that I had a co-host. Brooklyn was my co-host for a year and then she was like, eh, I'm not podcasting anymore. And I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. Um, okay. Well, fuck. <laughs> what do I do with this? And then I had this idea and I wasn't sure if any authors would go for it, but I thought, well, what if I interview authors not about their books, but about the books that they love? And it turned out authors kind of dug it for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty good. Sure. I mean, you you came on and you did it. it. But the first author who took me up on it was Lise McTagg with Bella Books. And Lise writes, well, at that point, I think she may have only had her sci-fi series and maybe her first uh, werewolf one. She has, she's since released a contemporary romance. And... Lise is wonderful, and she was a, a reviewer at the Lesbian Review at the time, and she has her own podcast with Andy Marquette, so I've joined them a few times over the years. Um, who Andy Marquette actually is the second lesbic author that I've met in person because she came to Calgary for something, and she ended up coming over to my oh, house, cool. and we got pizza, and we had a little dance party because my kids were little and into dance parties at the time, <laughs> and we recorded a <laughs> podcast. But the first one I met in person was Karen Callmaker. She put a call out on Facebook saying, hey, I'm going to be in Calgary, Canada, if anybody wants to meet me. And I was like, well, I like, okay. live here. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and I would love to meet you. And then there was another fan of hers that flew in from Toronto, which when you think Toronto to Calgary, that's like a four, four and a half hour flight. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This woman was like, I don't know, you were coming to Canada. Why not? (laughs) And literally just like hopped a flight for that. I don't think she stayed very long. I I didn't know this person. It's not, I don't know. She's someone from the reading community. But yeah, those are the... The only other author I've met in person so far was Catherine V. Forrest. I met her. Uh, we went for dinner in Palm Springs a few years ago because my work, they used to have the conference in Palm Springs every year. So we met up and went for dinner and she was very, very lovely. She's a great. She's if you have a chance to go for dinner with Catherine V. Forrest, I say go for it. Well, let me tell you, who have I not met? Because I go to all these things that you should be going to. I go to DCLS. I go to Women's Week. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, you need to go more. Sure. At all. Ever. I told you I will go <laughs> next year to GCLS. Yeah, it is more expensive time. and a bigger pain in the ass to go from Canada. <sighs> but you're going to California here soon. Is it? So it, is for, in, it is for my company's for conference. Work. It is for work. Work is paying for it. I am working. <laughs> this is not a fun trip. So where is the conference held, though? Is it also still in Palm Springs or no? No, they had to move it because we uh, the it, they outgrew that hotel. So for this year, oh, wow. it is in Carlsbad, which I guess is about 45 minutes outside of San Diego. It's like a suburb of San oh. Diego. Oh, you for sure will find a target. If it's a suburb, for sure. Oh, yeah. You'll find a target. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Google that. Yeah, that's when the... When we get off this podcast, I'm Googling that's... Carlsbad targets. Every time we go to California for a conference, all the Canadians have to go to Target and they have to go to Trader Joe's because we don't have that either. <laughs> Trader Joe's. <laughs> and to be honest, oh, though, I, love it. I went to Trader Joe's last time and I was like, why... Do people freak out about this store? Like, it's fine. It's fine. But there was nothing that made me say, I must come back here every year as if on a pilgrimage. Right. I have a trade. It takes forever to get to my Trader Joe's. I wonder. I don't know. It's not one of my favorite places either. It's just, you know, it would be nice if I had enough time to go to some gourmet place, you know. I think I preferred Whole Foods, to be honest. Yeah, Whole Foods is pretty cool. Okay, so I'm looking. Carl's, yeah, they have Target. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Uh, okay, so let me tell you about my experience. Mm-hmm. So when I wrote my first book, it was, uh, I wrote it in 2013. Mm-hmm. And my editor was like, hey, guess what? You really should like make a Facebook page and make a Twitter page and make all these pages because you're getting ready to publish a book. So you need to have a presence out there. So I'm like, okay. So I like created all my pages and and then we had P-Town in October and my book was released in September. So like I didn't know about anything. I didn't know about Amazon. Mm. I didn't know about Goodreads. I was like, you couldn't have found a greener person to show up or to write a book in this industry than me, mm-hmm. truly. So my, uh, my editor reached out to a couple of writers who were going to be in P-Town. They're like, okay. Chris is going to P-Town. I need somebody to kind of like hold her hand, you know, walk her through the town, you know, welcome her into the community. And so the very first person I met was Heather Blackmore. Hmm. She and her wife were there and they were at the pig and uh, said, hey, we're, we're eating truffled fries. Come on in. 
this was, you know, I didn't text. I didn't, nobody had my number. It was all strictly <laughs> emails. Mm -hmm. So, so I go there and I met Heather Blackmore. She was the very first writer I met. And then like the next, was it the next morning? So that was like, yeah, that was at night. Uh, the next morning, Melissa Brayden met me at the Wired Puppy. And we sat down and just had a chit chat about, you know, this, just what to expect in P-Town while I'm there. Mm -hmm. So that was really sweet. She was super sweet. But I made myself, because I am super shy, mm -hmm. unless I, I mean, if I don't know anybody, I am quiet. I am a wallflower. Nobody knows me. I hide in the corner. So I made myself go up to Lynn Ames and introduce myself to her. Great person myself. to do that And she had with, like, you too. know, 14 people around her. And i like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And I went up to her and said, hey. Lynn, I'm Chris, and I read your books. And so she was super sweet. And mm -hmm. ever since then, like, Lynn and I have had such a good relationship. So, yeah, so it was a really good uh, introduction into the lesbian community just by having the experience at P-Town and then making myself introduce myself to Lynn. It was great. Wonderful. I love Lynn. Yeah. She's so good to talk yeah, to, too. Super great. Yeah, we've already made plans at the con to have breakfast. That's our thing. Like in P-Town, we always have breakfast. Mm -hmm. uh, she and Cheryl, we always like get together and have breakfast. It's just our thing. I love that. And so I'm excited that at GCLS, she will be there as well. And uh, so we're going to have breakfast. We should get so. her on the podcast. We should. She's so good. Okay, let's talk about that later. We need to We need okay. to come up with a reason. Other than just, I want to talk to Lynn again. Lynn, come on in. <laughs> I like this idea. I think it'll work. Yay! <laughs> All right. So, Chris, what have you been reading or watching in the last couple of weeks? Okay. So, since I finished my book, I have been watching TV. I mean, that's no surprise. We all know I watch TV. So, uh, Stranger Things Season 4 is out. So, I'm right in the middle of binging it. Like, literally, mm. I'll probably finish it today. But there's a queer character this season. Yay! So that's kind of exciting. And it'll be interesting to see how they handle it because this season takes place in 1986. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of things I question, like where are the mullets? Because right. 1986 was a year of mullets. Oh, yeah. My cousins had some pretty gnarly mullets. <laughs> so like when they're at the school, like nobody in the school has mullets and they're all kind of wearing flannel. And I'm like, well, you kind of got that flannel wrong. Flannel was the okay. 90s. Flannels was the 90s, for sure. I didn't know about flannel in the 80s. The 80s was more like neon and lace. It was a Madonna thing, you know? Madonna oh, yeah. It was also industry. the, like, you're going to fuck with the bottom of your jeans. Like, either pin it really tight to your legs. Right. Like, there, there were no skinny jeans then, so it was either, like, you were pinning it there. Or <laughs> did you ever do the one where you would, like, you would you would grab part of your jeans, fold it over, and then roll it yes. up? That's exactly. I could do that now, like that. Right. That is, and top siders. You had to have the the dock shoes, the top siders, and you didn't tie them. You had the little ties on the side, yep. the little curly. Yeah. 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 So they got it all wrong. I don't know why people don't ask me to consult for eighties things. Truly. Because let me tell you, this is us, fucked up. Oh. And so Stranger Things also not a hundred percent on par of the the eighties. So anyway, so I'm watching mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. I'm also, I just, I finished The Lincoln Lawyer, which was a, a short, it was like an eight episode series mm. on Netflix. It was really, really good. I enjoyed it. I'm still like struggling through the staircase. <laughs> so now we have three possible scenarios of how this, have how Tony Collette dies. Oh boy. Three, three possible scenarios. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> and then Survivor ended. So 
I was I was okay with the winner. Mm-hmm. The final three people, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, so here's the deal. I like actual survivor things. Like, I love History Channels alone, mm-hmm. which just started to. I mean, so much going on. The first episode just aired a couple days ago. And I'm so excited because that's what I like to watch. Yeah. I like to watch people in nature trying to survive. That to me is Survivor. This whole bullshit social relationship thing that they do now. Do you watch that naked on one? No, I don't watch naked people. <laughs> well, I think they blur. They're not in my bedroom. I, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> I think they blur some of it out. But isn't that like, isn't there one where you get dropped in the woods and you're naked? You got to figure yeah. it out. Yeah, that's not me. I, yeah. I know. I mean, realistically, I'm not going to be naked in the woods. Like, if it happens, I'm going to at least have shoes and clothes on. If I, and I, it's if, so funny. I always, if I think, like, I always think of my wardrobe every time I leave. Mm-hmm. Like, is this what I want to wear in the apocalypse? Like, every time I go somewhere, <laughs> I'm like, do I really want to be in Crocs and like flannel pants and a t-shirt? Like, is that my apocalyptic outfit? Yes. And the answer is no, because oh. Crocs, like, you can't run in Crocs. Okay, but the rest. Like, super wide. But the rest sounds pretty good. Flannel, flannel pants. I could probably roll those up. T-shirt. What if I get cold? You know, I have Throw to. Throw a sweater on. I think about things like this. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. So my backpack will have to have, like, a raincoat mm-hmm. that'll keep me warm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anyway. So I think about things like that. Mm-hmm. So back to Survivor. Like, I don't know why I watch it. I don't know why. It's so frustrating to me because I always hate it when the like the the, the tiniest person who attr- who contributed zero to mm-hmm. the season all of a sudden becomes the winner because they were able to manipulate manipulate people and that's rewarded and I don't like that so I don't know why I keep watching Survivor because it's a disappointment every time. Okay, I'm done pitching. What about you? <laughs> yeah, you're probably gonna keep watching it just because it's like a tradition for you now. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're just gonna keep yeah, hate watching it. Okay, so for me, Drag Race All-Stars 7 has started. It's so good. It's funny. I think I've probably done some complaining before, but like there's too much Drag Race. There's so much Drag Race. I can't keep up with all the Drag Race. And then there was like three weeks with no Drag Race episodes. And I was like, I don't know what to do. My week is off. It was like when I stopped going to church and I was like, what is time? I don't understand. My Sundays are weird. (laughs) It's like my Friday nights were weird. It is so fucking good it's eight contestants i think it helps that they're all contestants that like if you've if you've been watching main drag race and even all stars like you know who all these people are they have chemistry because they've all done touring together and a lot of them are friends and even better the looks are so good because they have money because they've been touring because these are all people who previously won I'm not going to say any of them are like rich, rich, but like they have enough money to turn out incredible looks. So I am loving it. Jinx Monsoon won the Snatch Game episode as she should. They each had to do basically it's like their take on the match game. It's an absolute staple of every drag race season. And Jinx won her season too. The season that she won, she won at because she played Little Edie. Did you ever see the documentary Grey Gardens? No. So it's from the, I think it's like the early 1970s. And it's about one of Jackie Onassis's cousins and her daughter, I think. Or I don't think it was her sister and her daughter. But anyway, it was about this family. And like, 
they're the part of the family that doesn't have money. And this house clearly used to be really grand, but it's not anymore. And they're very strange, kind of quirky people. And so that's who Jinx Monsoon played that season and fucking smashed it. And it was hilarious. And this season, the queens had to actually do two looks. They had to choose two people to impersonate. And so her first one was Natasha Leone and did a great job of that, but then followed it up with Judy Garland, oh, which wow. might be, I think it is anyway. And Bob the Drag Queen agrees with me on the Pit Stop <laughs> Recap show. I think it is the greatest snatch game of all time. Wow. I've watched it back probably six or seven times. <laughs> Since I first watched it, because it's just so good. The impersonation is impeccable. And also, that like, she's hilarious. And so at one point, RuPaul asks, you know, what was over the rainbow, Judy Garland? And just in all seriousness, turns to him and says, well, it was a set, Ru. <laughs> and just, <laughs> like, that kind of, it's just so, it's so good. I loved it. I loved it. I'm here for it. I hope Jinx Monsoon wins, although honestly, they're all so good. I, it almost doesn't matter. Although it is kind of, it does feel almost like a survivor style. There's some people trying to do alliances because no one's getting eliminated. Wow. That's the gag this season. No one's getting eliminated, but whoever wins for the episode, there's like a top two and they each get what's called a legendary legend star. And whoever has the most stars, like the, the four oh, with good. the most yeah. get to be the top four. But the top two for the episode will lip sync and whoever wins the lip sync gets to block one of the other contestants from getting a star the following week. Oh, wow. Do they know ahead of time? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's... Well, because like they they immediately hand them. It's this like supposed to be like a gold plated plunger, but it's like, here you go. That's funny. You don't get a star next week. It's really like it's a good So does gag. it, does really it prevent good. them from doing their best though the next week no not necessarily because they can still win they can still lip sync and if they win the lip sync they get ten thousand dollars. Oh, well, yeah okay that changes things yeah right <laughs> that's kind of what i thought too so yeah it's really really good i can't remember if last week the last time we talked had i finished her no Stopper, you started or was I still it. watching it i think you were like halfway through. I oh finished my gosh it. stop it it was adorable it's so it cute. Is. It, is. it is. My son. I really love it. And it's been it's been renewed for two oh, more seasons. Nice. Yes. <laughs> so I'm very curious to see where it goes. Do right. Elle and Tao figure their shit out and get together? Probably. I hope so. Do we see more of Charlie's sister? I hope so, because I like her. Does Charlie have a mom? We never see her. Let me think. Let me think. We see Charlie's dad, and we see Nick's mom. You know, I don't... Uh, and Tao's mom. Why can't I think? That's a question. I don't know, because I've probably seen like 19,000 things since then. Because that's all I do, I is know. watch TV. That's all I do. It is. It's so good. Yay! It's so, so good. So yes, I join you. I join you in recommending that. Belatedly. Uh, we also, Neil and I watched Everything Everywhere all at once because everyone was talking about it. It's the action sci-fi with Michelle Yeoh. How, how do I not know about this? And I'm like on TV all the time. Whoa, how do you not know this? I don't know. So the idea is that she and her husband, and he is an adult now, but as a child, he was in the Goonies and he played short round in Indiana Jones. Okay, okay. One of yeah, those, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So, so he's an adult now. <laughs> 
And they play a couple who they're married and they're being audited. They have like a, a laundry laundromat with a dry cleaning business. Her dad is there, which is very stressful. And he doesn't know that her daughter is a lesbian and she's kind of trying to manage all of it. And they have to go to the IRS and they meet with Jamie Lee Curtis, who is a complete and total bitch to them. Wow. So it's almost like something or somebody possesses her husband and is like, the multiverse is at risk and you're the only one who can help. And it sort of goes from there. Ah. I had a lot of people tell me that it was the best movie they had ever seen. So I think I went into it with overblown expectations. I really enjoyed it. It's very good. It's not the greatest movie I've ever seen, but I do think it does some things that are really special. And because we get to see like glimpses into other versions of this character's life, because it is a multiverse story, there's a world in which Jamie Lee Curtis is not her adversary and perhaps her partner. Well, this sounds like this is something right up my alley sci-fi-ish it is one of the the stranger of the universes and when you watch it you'll see why but i don't want to ruin it for you and i think it has a really interesting really strong um story at the core about intergenerational trauma and like not more like in the turning red kind of way like it made us think about turning red a lot the new disney movie Uh, not in like a i don't think it would be triggering for anybody okay i guess is all i can say they both have Strong stories of intergenerational trauma, especially around the idea of parents making you feel like you'll never be enough. Mm. So, yeah, and that was really good. And then yesterday I watched the whole first two seasons of Dairy Girls. What? (laughs) Now they're like 22 minute episodes and there's only six episodes a season. Oh, okay. So that's not too bad. So it's like a movie. You watched like a two and a half hour movie. It was like I watched two, two and a half hour movies. (laughs) Still. Okay, so you were in front of the TV for five hours. I was in front of the TV for a really long time. Well, because I watched that and then I watched my my official recommendation. So yeah, I spent a fucking lot of time in front of the TV yesterday. (laughs) Don't you love it? You can say, I'm working. I'm working. Right? Have you seen Dairy Girls? I love it. You know, I think I started it. It's the one with the accents, right? Don't they have a lot of accents? Well, I mean, yes, because it takes place in Northern Ireland. Okay, yeah. So I think I started it, but I never got into it. It's 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 been out a couple years, right? Oh like yeah, maybe more than ago or two. Years so ago they've or something? okay, just, yeah. I think their first season was 2018. Their second one was 2019, and then they've just okay. had a season out this year, which I haven't seen yet, but plan to watch soon. And it takes place in Northern Ireland in Derry, and it's kind of towards the end of the Troubles, and it follows a bunch of girls and one boy at an all-girls Catholic school and them kind of negotiating that time at the end of the 90s. And it's very funny. Like, it's very, very Okay. I'll have to stick with it. But it's occasionally, like, very poignant because, you know, it was kind of, like, it it, it was a rough and scary time a lot of the time in Northern Ireland. And it was interesting when I was watching because at first I thought it took place at the beginning of the 90s, but it was actually because it shows sort of where the 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 piece came in and and the end of the troubles and I realized oh it actually took place so I went to Northern Ireland twice around that time and so it was really interesting watching it thinking back to that time and realizing like oh yeah these would have been like some of the people that I hung out with except I wasn't hanging out with the Catholics I went there on it was um our church 
had a sister church over in Northern Ireland. And so I would have been hanging out with the Protestant kids. Wow. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? But it's a very, yeah, it's a fun show. Very funny in a lot of spots. Uh, One of the characters is a lesbian. And apparently in season three, she finally gets to kiss a girl. (gasps) And she is in Bridgerton. (gasps) Oh! Stop it. Who is she? Do we know? Well, I haven't seen Bridgerton. Don't drop something like, what? Oh my God. You're the only person on earth who hasn't seen it. Well, now I'm kind of interested since I saw her. You're just like everybody in my family. I can recommend something to them and they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. But the minute a stranger recommends something, they're like all over it. Oh, I have to see this because, you know, Bob at the grocery store told me I need to watch. (laughs) Wow, lies. I said I'm mostly interested now that I've seen her. So she plays Penelope? Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. Then for sure you need to watch it. You need to watch it. She is the cutest in Dairy Girls. There's this one moment where her mom is mad at her and tells her to, like, don't even breathe. And then she, like, the way she holds her breath and the expression on her (laughs) face, like, I just, I lost it. It was so good. I think everybody right now is throwing things at their radio slash computer, however they're listening to this podcast. Because you need to watch Bridgerton. I mean, because I, of, I feel yeah. like a, I feel like a bunch of them <laughs> may not care. <laughs> I think they will. I think Bridgerton was kind of a big hit with everybody. It's not queer at all, though, is it? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. But. You can actually watch something that isn't queer. I'm just saying. Like half the shit I watch isn't queer. But it's really good. And because of Penelope and Bridgerton, you have to watch you have to watch it. Everybody, I need everybody who's listening to send Tara a message that she needs to watch Bridgerton. Because I know our listeners have watched this show because it was such a big, huge hit. All right. You're like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love your attitude. You're like, whatever, Chris, whatever. I'll watch okay. it if I want to. <laughs> If I have time. If I have time. What is your official recommendation this week? Okay, so my official recommendation is a movie from 2015. It's called Fourth Man Out. So, here's the blurb. It's real short. After celebrating his 24th 24th birthday, a mechanic decides to tell his three buddies that he's gay. So, think Hallmark movie, blue collar, with just average Joe dudes that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what this is uh it's four really good friends that hang out all the time you know they do things they have poker night they have they go to the bar certain nights they watch hockey over at their i mean they're always together these four mm-hmm. guys are always together they're in their mid-20s obviously adam who's the main character who is gay he's an auto mechanic and he's super cute and he has gorgeous hair i'm so jealous of his hair it's gorgeous absolutely yeah. gorgeous So he's really awkward with men, and he's always super awkward when people try to set him up with women, obviously, because he's gay. Yeah. So Chris is his best friend, and he's even better looking than Adam. Oh, boy. And he goes through women all the time, like like, like Siv, just goes through all these women. And he has an open relationship with this one girlfriend, Mm -hmm. but I think he's starting to realize he wants more than just that. It's so funny because when he finds out, when Adam tells him... Adam tells the group that he's gay. You know, Chris makes it about him, but not in the way you think. It's more like, 
yeah, it was really, really hard, you know, to hear blah, blah. He's talking to his girlfriend and she's like, yeah, coming out's really hard. He's like, I'm talking about myself. It's like, you selfish bastard. Like, this is an important thing for Adam, your best friend to say to you. It's really hard. And you need to understand that you need to be, you know, present for him. You need to be supportive. You've, you've been best friends with him forever. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of funny because he's just that egotistical, you know, and, and it's kind of, you see their characters grow different ways it's like a typical hallmark movie where one character grows you just see the growth in the characters Mm -hmm. not like a real in-depth growth but just you know like these aha moments and then the two other guys there's ortu who is a guy that's he he reminds me so much of jack black like comedic he's like the comedic relief Mm -hmm. he's actually really cool and he's got it he's got a girlfriend and everybody's just shocked that that somebody because he's such a guy you know he's a guy everything's a guy and uh, his girlfriend is like super nice and sweet and everybody loves her. And uh, the other guy, Nick, he's just kind of, he's like, you're attracted to me. So it's like all these guys represent to me, like what happens when you come out? Like you have the friend who thinks that you're attracted to them. You have the friend who, yeah, you know, just that whole process that people go through. It's like, no, just because you're like a dude and I'm a dude doesn't mean I'm attracted to you. It's kind of like how I'm not attracted to every woman I meet. So, just me. Yeah, just you. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it was a cute movie. I mean, there's there's a lot of homophobic slurs, but it's kind of like they've been like that their whole lives. They've always said things. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate to say this, guys being guys, sort of like not realizing not knowing that you're mm-hmm. in a safe space together nobody's gonna say oh he's homophobic because it's all like jokes like uh you know your mom blah 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 your dad stuff like mm-hmm. that and so it was just it was just kind of fun and whimsical and it was just like really perfect way to come out it was too perfect but it was it made me laugh like it made me laugh and i like nice. it when movies make me and like a genuine yeah. laugh not like oh that was cute yeah but yeah. it was just it was just really sweet you know, his his parents come out, or he comes out to his parents only because, uh, like, he's so fed up with his mom trying to fix him up with somebody. Like, I want grandkids. You need to give me. The kid's 24, mm-hmm. and she's already pushing him. And uh, mm-hmm. so he asks Chris. He's like, hey, you need to come to dinner because I think I'm going to tell my parents today that I'm gay. So I need you to come with me. And he's like, sure, anything you need. Let's go. So his mom surprises him by, she goes, hey, by the way, I invited over this family that has a, a girl that he used to oh, date in high school. No. Yeah, it's one of those. The doorbell rings and he's like really upset. He's like, I really don't want to see this girl. You know, he's, he's real close to telling them. And it turns out to be his neighbor and the preacher. And she is telling him, she like, so nobody knows that he's gay other than Chris and, you know, himself. And then, of course, the neighbor, she finds out. Like mm-hmm. she gives him a like a Virgin Mary cake and all the stuff. It's hilarious. So, oh so she God. brings a preacher over to the family ha- to the family dinner, and she's like, you know, it's, you know, you need to take, you need to fix him, do whatever. And they're like, what's wrong? Is he dying? And he's like, no, I'm gay, mom. I'm gay. So he comes yeah. out like that in front of everybody, yeah. and it's like what he does is hilarious. Yeah. So a little bit later, his mom's like, you know, she's very supportive. Like, why didn't you tell me? How long have you known? You know, and it was just like, he was just really, really nervous to tell everybody. And that's real life. People are nervous to come out to their family and to their friends. Mm -hmm. I get it. And so this was kind of an idealistic way to come out. But it was also, um, 
it was a nice welcoming change, I guess. You know, it's it's vanilla and mm-hmm. it's fun and the guys are they made me laugh. And if you take it at face value, you know, it is a fun coming out story that's that's lighthearted. And uh, if you need something like that, then this is the movie for you. Nice. Does he end up with a boyfriend? I'm not going to ruin it for everybody. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> I gave her motions. So there. There you go. So now I know because she knows <laughs> that I. Yeah. So like Tara's answer. the kind of person that reads the last chapter of books sometimes. Is that true? You do, don't you? Sometimes. Well, I Are read. Not to say I that? read whatever I want to read. I will read <laughs> the very ending. Sometimes I'll read the last chapter. Sometimes I'll skip around to the middle, especially if it seems like there's some serious fuckery about that's giving me oh. anxiety. Then I have to skip ahead because <laughs> otherwise I'm going to bail on the book. No, you can't bail on the book. Yes, Sometimes I can. You just have to. I, you, <laughs> no, I will not apologize for my anxiety oh. management. This has been working for me. For almost 40 years, and I'm just going to keep doing it. Because uh, otherwise, <laughs> if I bailed on the books, then I wouldn't recommend right. the books. Well, that's true. But sometimes, like, think I get about bad all at- your books that I Think about all your books that I reviewed. I skipped to the end for all of them. But they were really, oh, I'm so heartbroken. And if I hadn't, I wouldn't have reviewed any of those books, and we wouldn't but be here But they're not today. even angsty. So you're telling me every book you read, you read the ending last. I'm telling you that I write no, not every happily book. ever after Not books everybody. all the time like Most i will never books. write a book that doesn't have a good ending it doesn't like seal everything up so i won't do it for like mysteries which i don't read very what? often okay but like Anne mcmahon like Anne mcmahon wrote a couple of mysteries right she wrote dust and then she wrote galileo i think is the name of the follow-up to it and I did not read the ending of those, although I did get a heads up, thankfully, about in Galileo, there is like child sexual abuse content there because uh-huh. it's about like priests and this horrible. Wow. Yeah, you know. So it kind of it kind of depends on what it is. Yes, romances have happy endings, but there can be a lot of fuckery along the way. Oh, for sure. For sure. So that's why I do it. How did we get onto this anyway? I don't know. We were talking about, I don't know, but but let's just move on. And so, yes. Tara, what is your official recommendation? So my official recommendation is a 1968 documentary called The Queen. It was released at a Manhattan theater about a year before the Stonewall riots even. And it covers the 1967 Miss All-America Camp Beauty Contest. Which were put on by Jack Dorishow, who was this incredible, incredible, you know, without him, you don't, you don't get drag race without him. And he is Flawless Sabrina. Flawless Sabrina at the time of this is 24. She's the event host and organizer. So it was in 1959 that he started the, oh no, he couldn't have been 24. That was just what he said on screen. In drag. I should okay, have known yeah. better than to take that seriously. <laughs> uh, but when he was quite young, he started organizing this, like, frankly, like, it's a drag pageant enterprise that he ran from 1959 to 1969. He ran 46 shows a year, which wow. all culminated in this annual national competition in New York City. And so that's what we see in this. We see the the, the nationals. And actually, that's where Divine, do you remember Divine, the drag queen who is in a lot of John Waters films? 
that's where she put on drag for the first time. Oh, wow. Was at one of the competitions. Isn't that fucking cool? That is cool. A lot of it, like we see, uh, we see Sabrina kind of getting ready and all, and all that. Like she's the one that sort of frames a lot of it, which makes sense. Kind of as the host, as the organizer, she talks about why she doesn't compete. She doesn't want the girls to see her as a competitor. She wants them to see her almost more as like a mother or an aunt figure, like this older. So even when she started out, like she was quite young doing drag, but did this very matronly older purposely cultivating that that kind of a style and so we see the contestants they're arriving we see them they're rehearsing the numbers they're hanging out at the hotel helping each other get ready then there's the pageant and the aftermath this was the other thing i watched yesterday my my day of tv (laughs) (laughs) and it's the second time that i watched it and i'm really glad i went back to it because the first time i watched it like there were these moments that really kind of blew me away but i didn't fully understand what was happening and so this time watching it it was easier to see the structure and how it was following the event and i knew who won and so seeing how that person was featured throughout was quite interesting and some of the moments that really stood out for me were especially there was this one scene kind of towards the middle when they're hanging out at the hotel and some of the queens are talking to each other and they're all in their regular you know boy clothes and and presenting as men and it was like this one really big sweeping conversation that got cut down for size but clearly it was all part of the same conversation so there were like some of them were talking about if they could would they want to transition like if money if if money were no object and most of them said no that's not what i want to do i'm i'm a i'm a cross-dresser i want to be in drag i don't want to be a woman you know, they were talking about the draft because that was a thing that was happening around yeah, the time for right. the Vietnam War. And one of them was talking about his friend and how his friend went down for the draft. And one of the other queens said, did he tell them that he was gay? And he said, no, they told him. Like the ah. military could tell. Yeah, there was an interview with another one who said he really wanted to go to war to support his country. Ah. And was told he couldn't because he was gay. And so he wrote in and said, like, you know, this is a thing that I really want to do and got a letter back saying, well, unfortunately, you can't. But maybe at some point in the future, you could. And seeing the kind of complicated politics around being gay and wanting to serve in the military. And then there was a couple of them who said, you know, they're out. They've always been out. Their family knew even, you know, there was this one in particular where he said, like, I live in a town of 500 people. Everybody knew since I was five that I was gay. There was no way. And he, like, he was extremely effeminate. But everybody loved him. And it was okay. And so to see, you know, some of these men living in a time where it was illegal to be gay, it was illegal to cross-dress, but having that affirmation from their families was so beautiful. And I mean, speaking of it being illegal to cross-dress, when I went on and did a little bit more research about some of the people that were involved in this, Flawless Sabrina was arrested dozens of times for putting on these shows and for cross-dressing. She was arrested for cross-dressing because she was putting on these shows. I feel, I mean, this came out many, many decades ago, so (laughs) I'm going to say Uh, I'm going to talk about an infamous moment that only makes sense if you know who won. But like, come on, it's been out decades and you can still watch it even if you know who won. Harlow wins. Hooray, Harlow. (laughs) So there's this infamous scene at the end 
Crystal Labeja is named third runner-up or something like that. And they don't even get to announcing the winner before she takes off off of the stage. She just leaves, which is, you know, was called out as poor sportsmanship or whatever. And then Harlow wins. And Harlow is this white, beautiful, like, even when walking around, like, they sh- they have footage at the beginning of this queen walking around out of drag showing up and if you didn't know you might think that's a woman and at that point rachel harlow hadn't transitioned she transitioned about four five years after this and actually really famously was involved for a while with grace kelly's brother so it's kind of interesting seeing like where uh queer history slots into other parts of like popular culture mm-hmm. but crystal labeja goes on a fucking tear later oh. on it is so it is infamous and it's like i've seen <laughs> other like contemporary drag queens quoting from it at times because it's just like it's one of the most famous reads of all time where she says even like that a friend told her crystal darling don't go because you're not going to get it and that's why all the true beauties didn't come which is like a whoa (laughs) okay and when someone calls her out and says like basically what are you what are you doing this is in bad taste and you're showing your colors and she says i have a right to show my color darling i am beautiful and i know i am beautiful and Crystal Abasia is another really, really huge part of our history without whom I don't think you get to, well, I don't, it's not even that I don't think, I know you don't get to kind of where we are with the ballroom culture and possibly even drag race. Crystal Abasia was also a trans woman. Okay. And a couple of years after this, so she founded what was called the House of Labasia and she put on the first ever house ball. For the House of Labasia. And this was the beginning of ball culture in New York and the house culture and where you eventually end up with like the House of Extravaganza and, you know, House of Dior, some of those other ones. And so have you ever seen the documentary Paris is Burning? No. Oh, that's fucking fabulous. About ball culture in the in the in the 80s. And uh, Pepper Labasia features really strongly in that. She was the house mother that took over from Crystal and reigned for kind of the next 30 years. And the house of Labasia is actually still going strong today. They're currently competing in season three of Legendary. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like, it's just this incredible, like, this historical moment without this pageant, you don't get to ball culture. So, oh, wow. yes. Yeah really really fabulous documentary if you want to get kind of a peek into the history of drag Mm -hmm. and you want to see uh one of those kind of foundational steps that led to the culture that we have today wow very cool that is all for this episode thank you so much for joining us if you've enjoyed the show and you haven't subscribed yet please make sure you do subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so it can automatically let you know when we release an episode. Like I said at the beginning, if you have a friend who you think would like the show, please, please tell them all about it. And if you'd like to support us, we have the link to Kofi in our show notes. 
or you can visit ko-fi.com slash queerly recommended. Or if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites to search for Queerly Recommended on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or email us at podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.